So Nate, the funny thing is, is uh, we were supposed to record this podcast on 4:20, and then I realized you were on vacation, and so we couldn't do it. But I did prep a really funny um, intro to the podcast that I would like to read to you. Still, okay, I guess. Uh, For- <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome to Don't Weed the Bulls Budcast. It's 4:20, and we're going to talk about some really trippy, deep stuff like how music affects your mood. But first, <laughs> that that's that's it, great, man. It, it was pretty stupid, but uh, but in all reality, we do have pretty good uh, guest on today, uh, Andy Othling of Lowercase Noises, which is an ambient instrumental project. Um, he's going to be talking to us about how music and mood and consciousness and all that plays off each other. So, but first, but first, holy cow! I'm looking at this list of new patrons. We're gonna Dang. we're gonna read a really long list right now and <laughs> and butcher it badly. Yes, yes. We thank them by butchering their names. That's how yeah. it works. So here we go. I'm gonna try this without butchering anybody's. All right, here we go. John Hone, Seth Gunter, Michael Jewell, <laughs> Jahan Borgian, Aaron Benninger, Joey Holt, Mo Dubs, Nick Halverson, Torin. Danowski. Good job. Kevin Morier. Mori. Uh, that was easy. I blew that one. <laughs> Kellen Craiger, John Beacon, Zane Harnish, Jason Wilder, Chris Kelly, Grant Litton, Travis Peterson, Nathan Sanner, Matt Adams, Anthony Baker, Ty Hawkins. We might have to start rethinking uh, the names that we read on the podcast because I know you know, part of the part of the Patreon is the five dollar one. We read the names, but at this point, everyone's just doing one dollar, and we're <laughs> we're having to read all these names. So maybe we'll make it a little bit more exclusive. I don't know. I don't know if that's lame. No, no. I think it's uh, I think it's cool. You know, you, they still get access to the free podcast. Sure. And or, or sorry, the exclusive podcast. Yeah. If you get five bucks a month, that's a little bit cooler. You're uh, sacrificing that one latte for uh, a pate. A pate. I'll pate here on this digital sphere of hanging out and talking to you about good stuff. I mean, if you think about it, I still laugh every time my friend texts me. People donate for your hobby, Nate. He doesn't know how much work it is. Yeah. He's just sick of his desk job. But he just laughs. At, he's just one of yeah. those guys that makes fun of he, it. He's old school in that sense. He's no country for old men. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, if you want to support our hobby, you can go to patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls and do it because... That's dope. funny matt the only band's email list that i am on is explosions in the sky <laughs> i don't know how i got on their email list and every time i get an email from them i'm like oh, i'm not gonna delete i'm not gonna unsubscribe it's just funny I, I i just think that's funny so if you like explosions in the sky you'll probably like um lowercase noises <laughs> andy Welcome to the show, Andy Othling. Can you tell us a bit about how you got into making ambient instrumental music? Oh boy. Um, so I, 
I started playing guitar. I wanted to be like the next Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, Dope. So I just wanted to like shred super hard. Was Van Halen and Stevie Ray Vaughan were my dudes. And I was in like this blues rock jam band thing, and I accidentally wrote a post rock song. I didn't even know what post rock was at the time. It was basically like an explosions in the sky, like rip off type of song. And then I just so you got, had a I delay. Mean, long, you had a delay pedal. Exactly. And then it I had happened. one delay pedal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that coupled with I just um, you know playing one four five blues shred solos for a few years it just got old and I never wanted to play one of those ever again. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, it's that, that's the long story short is I, I just kind of accidentally stumbled into it. And then at the same time, kind of found some other bands that I didn't know existed. Like I didn't know this type of music existed. And once I found it, it was like, Oh, this feels like it actually means something (laughs) to me. So I'd like to be, I'd like to be in this world instead of the, you know, the shredding posturing world of blues guitar that I was in before. Yeah. Did you ever think that you were going to maybe get a singer and put lyrics to that or not? No, because... Wait, to the blues stuff or the, no, or no, the no, ambient to, stuff? To, to the ambient stuff, yeah. Oh. Um, no, only because a lot of it started off because I was doing... Experimenting with recording myself in my college dorm and stuff with shitty software. And I just focused on my skills. And one of my skills is not singing and lyrics. So I just completely ignored that <laughs> it's, it's kind of out of necessity it's just i'm not good at it so i'm not gonna do it right and it works so it's fine yeah that's funny i mean that that's yeah. how it that's how it usually goes in you know in terms of bands like somebody's always good at something right. but you know if, it, if you're a solo artist i don't think people realize you have to be good at everything when you're a solo artist and some people <laughs> yeah right right or hire somebody to do who's good at it to do it for you or so at least some, can fake it way. on most everything yeah totally Let's talk about the DIY thing, you know, because you talk about starting off recording with whatever your shitty gear is in your college dorm, yeah, and that kind of grows into you kind of producing your own records and yeah. being a part of a, a scene of other people who are producing this ambient uh, yeah. music, and, and but it's all kind of done by yourself. So, and that's kind of like, we we love talking about that on our podcast. It's like, yeah, yeah. how do you go from nothing? to something and what sort of work and hustle methods do you attribute that to? Um, I attribute it to uh, working very slowly over time and not having any (laughs) grand goals, really. I mean, it's, it's weird because there was never like any massive, like, here's what I need to do in like a DIY sense. Here's the next goal. Other than there were personal goals. Like I remember the first time I just put out an album i was like i just really want to put nine songs together and see what that feels like instead of just you know i spent three hours working on a song and then you show it to a friend who like feigns excitement on your behalf you know and isn't actually yeah (laughs) so i mean the whole the whole thing about the way i've done it is really weird because there was never for the longest time there was never any inkling or or desire to like do it for a living or try to milk it money wise in any way so it was purely just like I would I would honestly say like 100% just trying to fulfill something creatively. And so that just kept moving on to, it's like, okay, I'll experiment more with recording software. And I could figure out how to release an album on my own. And then, you know, started the YouTube channel, which was hmm. honestly just a songwriting experiment at the beginning. It was like, I want to see what I can do. Because I had just gotten this recording software. And so you can sit down and make a hundred tracks of yourself. And there's all these software instruments and it's just incredibly overwhelming. And I was, I felt kind of stuck and was like, I don't know what to do in writing songs in that scenario. So I started a YouTube channel because I was like, well, what could I do with one guitar and like one take, one track for in the 10 minutes? That, at that time, YouTube could only let you upload 10 minutes of video. Um, mm-hmm. So everything kind of stemmed from just personal desire rather than... Yeah, what timeline are we kind of looking at here? How many years are we talking about? I I think my first album was 2009. Well, that's not true. I wrote an album that's not available anymore. That's I think that was probably 2008 or something. Um, and that one's pretty embarrassing. But I think the YouTube <laughs> stuff started around that time, 2009 or 10 or something like that. So it's been, I don't okay. know, seven, eight years. Um, so you kind yeah. of like, you, you credit YouTube as, as kind of been being your launch pad to, yeah. to releasing to- records. Totally. 
Yeah. And how did the how did the YouTube channel take off? Um, it was a combination of things. I mean, like, so I was doing these one take ambient guitar performance things, like I mentioned, and you know, a big part of it, honestly, was just tagging like in the description just saying here's all the gear i'm using so anyone searches for like this delay pedal then my video will pop up and the point wasn't to necessarily yeah yeah so the gearheads would would find you and be like oh my gosh look at the gear he has look what he's using and look what he can make out of that gear mm. yeah yeah and there are people that are just hyper focused on the tools as yes. opposed to the the craft of using them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, if you want to go down that road, like 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 I said, it li literally did start as songwriting exercises and the trying to get myself more creatively inspired, and it was successful in that way. And then there was a period where I I, I sort of started chasing the uh, it's like oh, whenever I post a video where the thumbnail has my pedal board clearly pictured, those get more hits. So I'm gonna do right. more stuff like that. And then after a while, well, I just started not feeling good about that so I, yeah go ahead i noticed that just marketing you know some of your videos and yeah. full disclosure nandy's got a new record called the swiss illness that's coming out on bc music and yeah. we've been working uh, in tandem with him to release this stuff and he had a bunch of youtube videos which um, we took to facebook that were already successful on youtube we posted mm -hmm. them to facebook and i noticed exactly what you're saying is that <laughs> yeah. when that's you had thing, yeah. the pedal board up close there was a, just a lot more interest because the kind of the engineering tech heads yep. are are so avidly obsessed with the gear <laughs> mm -hmm. that they will like, comment, and share on those videos as opposed to just you with the guitar and the pedal board not pictured. Um, right. And what do you think that is? I mean, I, I, this is not even part of like what where I was trying to go with the conversation. <laughs> yeah. but what do you think that is with 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 kind of is it is it a personality temperament thing, or do you think that people are uh, they want to be grounded in in a physical reality and and not close their eyes and experience the music, or what is that? I don't I don't I don't really know. I mean I mean I get it because I've been I've been there before. Like as a guitar player, you go through a period like I specifically went through a period where I just wanted all I ever wanted was to see pictures of other people's pedal boards and like try to buy the next most expensive newest delay pedal and and, and then post it on on forums and get all the responses cuz people think your pedal board is so cool rather than anything you created with it. Well, there's yeah. like the weird part about being in a band is there's always some sort of thing you know, there were so many bands on Warped Tour, you know, in the early days where it was like, oh, that's the band with the guy with the purple hair or whatever. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I kind of think that helps you as an artist if you're... The guy with the pedals? Well, yeah. Or like, the, you know, like everyone knew at the drive-in because What's-His-Face would just dance around like a maniac, you know? Right. And he, would, and he had the crazy pedal board and he had but to like, hire someone to switch, like do it because it was so crazy. There's a difference between like, you know, Slipknot masks and pedal boards though because like everyone <laughs> has a reaction to Slipknot masks. Totally. But there's there's only a certain subset of people who give a flying shit about my pedal board, <laughs> but they just give a huge shit about it. And there's yeah. a lot of people who, I and I know this for a fact, like if I really did pursue that, I would actually be ostracizing a large portion of people who don't have any idea what that stuff is and don't care. No. And so they would just yeah. feel like if I just posted that stuff all day on Facebook and YouTube and everywhere else, like these people would be like, what? I'm not, I don't know what this is. This obviously isn't the place for me. So I'm out. You almost need like a gear channel just for the gear heads and then like just your regular music on its own thing. If I wanted to do that, I would do it, but I, but I don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah so. no I don't I don't blame you I, I I was the guy that was the exact opposite I was the guy that like was more into the lyrics and the vocals uh, yeah. and and then the other guys in the band were all like doing your job which is like right. coming up with all the sounds and I'm like those sounds are sound cool cool let's right. work on right. this you know what I mean yeah so totally. I, I I feel you I'm one of those people that would be like pedal board what I play bass I plug it in and I just play the thing it's easy yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, and maybe this sounds like highfalutin or something, but I really, I really, really value this type of music, and I want to respect the people who listen totally. to it. And because, because it can mean a million different things to a million different people, you know, without the lyrics. And I don't want to limit it in any way possible. So, like, focusing on anything gear-related, focusing on anything religion, politics, 
whatever, I feel like any of that, you know, limits the power of the music in my mind. And right. so I want to, I want to keep that as intact as possible. That's kind of the only like rules I have for myself. It's like, I really want to respect them and, and let it be whatever people want it to be. Like, so yeah. talk let's talk about ambient music because you kind of almost introduced it to me you, know, <laughs> okay. you coming along like i yeah. i never listen i mean i listen to explosions in the sky because who hasn't and typical uh, yeah yeah typical right because <laughs> you know they were on friday night lights or whatever yep but and, and you know it was post rock and it was cool or whatever and it was instrumental and i thought this is great this is this is this kind of it kind of does something in you it feels really good yeah. And um but that's 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 the majority of all I've I'd heard and you came along and and we're trying to market your videos and we're trying to get your music out there and you're like here's five bands I like and I yeah. start listening to that and I start understanding like there is a very diverse community of yes. people who just make ambient instrumental music yeah. and it's worldwide like you said it's global because it's not limited to one language yep. and it's not limited to one topic it right. is totally a subjective, a truly, purely subjective listening experience mm -hmm. where yeah. people can go, what does this mean for me? And that's why I think like, you know, and I have a lot of opinions about this, but I want to ask you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, why do you think there is, and I'm just assuming there is just because maybe, maybe it's like I just stumbled across it. So now it exists, but, um, <laughs> like when you, when you buy a car and you see it on the road, but there right. seems to be this resurgence in a demand for instrumental ambient music like it seems to be a kind of a growing scene do do you see that and do you have any way to speak to that i it's that's tough i don't i don't know if i have a great perspective on that um all i know is i do keep finding different pockets of it that are doing different like if you really go down into it you get guys who are like sole their sole purpose of the music is like field recordings or something like they're featuring like nature sounds and so there's found sounds the, man yeah exactly they but, call them found sounds yeah, yeah but it's like super heady and i don't know what how you describe it but there's people who are just so insane about this type of music you can find these super niche uh uh you know so i don't i don't know i always wonder and i was having a conversation the other day with someone about this it's like you know, you know, Hans Zimmer has played at Coachella, like his soundtrack for a movie, like movie soundtracks are getting bigger, I think, than they ever have. And maybe instrumental ambient music, which is associated with that a lot of the time is kind of following suit, maybe. I mean, maybe there's something there for sure. But, you know, seeing seeing Hans Zimmer playing Coachella is like, oh, wow, that's wow. uh that's interesting that that happened. That seems like yeah. a good sign for me. You know? So that's big. Yeah. <laughs> you're in the yeah. right place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're doing the right, you're doing the right genre right now. Well, I was thinking, you know, this is kind of my take on it is that our society is so bombarded with so many coercive messages. Do this and you'll be happy. Believe this and you'll be right. Follow this um, five step journey to weight loss. And everyone's trying to get your attention and tell you what to do. And I think that's why it's 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 not even just a move towards or a reaction against that towards uh, music that doesn't coerce or music that, that doesn't speak from the ego. But I would say it's even more of a, a um, it's more of a mindfulness movement. Like yes, we're gonna unplug completely from this messaging. And alongside that, it's like I feel I maybe this is too strong a language, but I feel like there is sort of like a punk rock aspect to this because 
you know, there's like you mentioned, there's so much noise in the world and, you know, literally in certain types of music that, you know, they're telling, you know, the the front man is telling you something in the lyrics. And with this, it's just like, hey, screw you guys. I'm going to play one chord for 12 minutes. And like <laughs> that feel, it feels like a middle finger sometimes, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're driving yeah. 60 miles down the road and checking Twitter and eating a burger at the same time. It's like, right. you know what? I mean, it was funny. I actually, <laughs> going back to YouTube, I made a video, um, and I never said this, but I kind of did it with the purpose of trying to piss some of my people off. And literally what I did was I made a loop on one of my pedals, and I sat there for 20 minutes and just let it decay. I literally, The video was me sitting there with a cup of coffee as this loop just <laughs> decays. And the point was, there wasn't really a point, but I was just really curious to see what people thought of it. And there were, most people were just like, oh man, this is so great. This is so cool. And I was just like, I was trying to kind of like maybe get some of you mad at this or something, but. <laughs> That's just funny though. Cause I mean, you're kind of trolling your fan base. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there's a certain part of every artist that doesn't take themselves too seriously mm -hmm. or at least the the ones that I like to talk to don't. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yes. you, yeah, totally. you're trying as hard as you possibly can to create something great and leave some sort of memory in someone's mind and have fans and, and do all the things. And it's hard because you measure yourself against other artists your whole career. But at the end of the day, you know, you kind of, you always go back to that part of your mind. It's like, is this any good? You mm -hmm. know, like, dude, am I actually doing something worthwhile? I mean, that, those voices just continue to come yeah. back and uh, haunt you. And sometimes you just have to make a video where you just play a note and let it sit and make fun of people. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, totally. I, mean, I, th I think the first video I saw of yours, Andy, was, um, it was like a, it was called 12 Minute Drone in B Major or something yeah. like that. And that that one even had more going on than the video I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, well, well. That one was like super popular. Yeah. And I just yeah, looked yeah. at. I mean, just as an outsider looking at looking at the title of the video, twelve minute drone, in yeah. in B major in just one. Yeah. There's like, no chord basic, change at all. There's no chord. It's just B major the whole time. I was like. But then I was watching it, and I was like, I looked up, and I was like, seven and a half minutes in. <laughs> in yeah, my it was a mind, time warp. yeah, my mind had shifted. I my whole kind of focus. I was focused on one thing as opposed to being so scatterbrained of all the things I needed to do, and I felt like it was like a mood change. Are you trying to usher people into a mood? Well, so I feel like what I do is like, and I think this is probably the same for a lot of people in this genre it's like there are certain feelings you get not necessarily from music it could be from movies or from being out in nature or just anything really and it's it's a recreation of that mood so and i and may, maybe this is just a small point but it's like i'm not i'm not trying to necessarily give anyone a mood i'm just trying to recreate it for myself and make myself mm. feel that way again mm -hmm. and the the interesting thing is that once I've done that, people will take wildly different things from it, and that's fine. Right. Um, but then that brings me to like with you guys, like classic crime and and Sherwood and stuff. It's like I I get anxiety just thinking about having to present literal ideas and meanings in art. Like it just like I don't even know how to do that. I make it for myself based on some sort of ambiguous feeling and people take other ambiguous feelings from it and that's all i can really do <laughs> and so i mean it's, that's I, it's I interesting yeah at the core that's exactly what i do um i'm just expressing an emotion in a moment and about a, maybe an experience i have or am having or i'm going through and then people derive a thousand things from that that never i never intended yeah yeah so yeah and that's interesting because what i guess what i was trying to say is like i don't I literally don't have any words or like ideas for people. I don't when I write when I write these songs. It's not like I'm trying to. I'm even thinking of words like peace or melancholy that I'm trying to give anybody. I just. Well, how do you how do you title the songs then? I I mean the songs always come from how I was feeling in that time, and one of my pet well I have a couple of pet peeves with this type of music. One is when people associate it with like space and celestial objects i feel like that's completely overdone so i try to stay away from that <laughs> totally like <laughs> it, you know every song is the based on a moon of jupiter or whatever like i you know whatever i'm not gonna do that um and two it's like i feel like people are um very 
overly emotionally direct about themselves and how they felt about the song. Like with some, I don't know, some just overly dramatic song title or something. So what I like to do is like, yes, it did come from a feeling I had, but I always like to overlay a story on top of it that is a, a that the feeling is similar, if that makes sense. But it's an abstraction from the way, from my personal feelings. So people can come in and be like, oh, this album's about this story if they if they care to explore that far um like the story is overlaid partly so that they can be abstracted from me as a human being in a way and that's that's what makes me feel comfortable Do you feel like, I mean, I sort of do a lot of video editing and one thing that I have naturally is I can just visualize things and get lost in my head and thoughts and I paint pictures in my mind and I kind of go down trails. When you're writing these songs and you're playing them and you're kind of in the, you're not ready to record them, are you visualizing a same story every time you play that song? Is there any visual things that go with it? I mean, I have a, the way my brain works, there's, there's visuals attached to sonic qualities. And I feel like, well, I mean, this goes back. So my mom is an artist. She's a pastel painter. Um, And I remember growing up that she was, she was, she's like super into color and painting. And she's like very, I remember I was doing a, a poster for one of my elementary school classes and I was had to like draw an astronaut and I drew it like real small in the middle of this really big canvas. And she was like, no, you got to start over, so turn it over and like made it really big and like filled in all the white space. And she was very adamant. I'm like, you can't have too much white space, but you can't like overfill it. So it's like, I feel like in my head when I'm writing songs, it's like, it's usually like, here's a part I came up with. It's cool. And I, and I see kind of like a, a sonic canvas and I'm like, okay, that filled up that part of it. Like what, what sort of texture or yeah. part or whatever needs to yeah. be different, separate enough to fill in the rest of it and not leave just like a big hunk in the middle and a bunch of white space on the outside. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of what my brain is doing. There's no like narrative or, or even necessarily quantifiable feeling going on. Um, yeah. Hopefully that answers the question a little bit. Yeah. How does that turn? How does that transfer live? That's, oh, that's the question I was going to ask. Yeah. Live is interesting. I mean, I did the first, my first living room tour last year. Um, and I was only able to do a couple of my songs because there's just no way for me to do them by myself unless I just did like a million backing tracks and played one, which is super lame. So I didn't want to do that. Um, but th- there are certain rooms for, for, I, okay, well, I tried to set it up so like I did as much as possible. So I'm like looping stuff on the guitar, I'm looping stuff on the piano, and there's minimal backing tracks, but I'm still triggering them at the right times. And I tried to set it up such that if a part comes out different or the song arrangement comes out different, then it's still fine. Like if I want to have it set up such that like I can't move to the next section of a song unless I tell it to go there. So if like if I go another round on this and we want to let it go, then that's fine. Um, and then of course with live, I tried to, it was really important to me to do a, a, a visual experience. So I worked really hard to get like a, uh, like reactive video to the, uh, to the audio. So like when I played the piano, it would light up blocks on the screen in real time. And, 
videos would fade in and out as certain audio tracks faded in and out and that kind of stuff. So you have um, a brain that does that, that controls the lights that way. A br- uh, it's just Ableton and another Ableton piece of software. It? Yeah, Ableton talks to my video software, so I just have to deal with like an APC forty in Ableton, and it controls everything. It's kind of dang. It's, I'm really proud of my little setup. Actually, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a lot of studying to get it to the point where you can do that. I mean, you got to learn so much. You have this idea in your head, and you're like, "I want right. to do that," and then you have to learn all the software. Well, I, I'm really I'm really thankful because I got a I have a degree in computer science actually, so I have like a very a brain for that stuff, and I love like I had to write one of my own Max for Live plugins to get my set to work. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, "There's nothing out there that I need." So I guess I have to figure out how this write this language and write a plugin. So I, I, I like that stuff too. Luckily, I mean that that goes back to the DIY thing. I feel very fortunate that I really enjoy figuring out all this technical stuff. I really enjoy, you know. To, to a certain extent, like, you know, email marketing and social media stuff and certain business, act, like, I just enjoy it all to a certain extent. You like learning. And, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can agree to that because, like, being in a band at any capacity, you have to kind of be good at all that stuff, especially nowadays. Well, yeah. Because, yeah, you have to. You know, you run into people who are super good at guitar or piano or something, they don't give a shit about social media yeah. or whatever. And it's just like, that's really to their detriment. So I just feel thankful in this climate that i'm at least i'm not faking interest in anything like you know i legitimately like doing figuring out email segments and mail and mailchimp and sending it out to certain cities like I, you know that stuff is fun to me <laughs> legitimately yeah no I, I i hear you i remember being i don't know it's like being on warp tour or whatever and there was always that one band that was like just exuded that they, they mm-hmm. just they played music and they were either stoned geniuses or whatever, and then it <laughs> right. was just like, why is this band on this tour? Like, and then you talk to them, and you're just like, those dudes were on another planet. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. even know how they made it here. And the rest of us are just like, you know, hustling. Like, we were that flyers. Yeah, we were that band. Like the sti- we were just like, it was all gimmicks. Like, right. let's yeah. find the right gimmick, and then we'll be the bigger band on Warp Tour. In some sense. <laughs> Sherwood was kind of a blend of all of that. Like we had some moments. You guys made funny videos. That was your thing. Well, we just did it. We (laughs) we didn't take ourselves too seriously. But I'm. But when it came to the music, there was always debates of like, okay, how much artistic integrity do we have here? Mm, You know what I mean? We're in this scene, so we can't do anything. The cool thing about your music is, is it, it doesn't get a timestamp on Mm. it. You know, so much of the music we were in, there's just this timestamp. Boom. That's yep. that sounds like Sugar Cult from 1997. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. And yeah. you just you you can't do anything with that. But someone could go listen to a song you make ten years later and not know when it came out. Like, did that come out last week? I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure that's true? Or are you? Or are you uh, I don't mean to. Sound... The only thing. Yeah. The only thing I think that would differentiate differentiate a song with no that's more in the ambient world would be the recording quality. Mm. Yeah. Like other than that, it doesn't have a unless time. a scene, unless a, because you said you're, you're from such a diverse scene, unless something kind of takes over, like I could, I could listen to explosions in the sky and say, okay, that sounds like mid two thousands post rock because it was a yeah, genre totally. in and of itself within the framework of ambient instrumental music. But the stuff that you do isn't, nearly as structured informed and yeah follow uh, follow the rules like even the post-rock stuff it's rarely ever because the post-rock thing is kind of like a slow crescendo to like a big massive right sound. and there's yeah. drums and, okay. and there's you know repeating parts right and... yeah and I, I rarely do that ever <laughs> no i know i know yeah. you take it your yours is very linear yes it's just it's really hard to be timeless in general. I just think that sure. you know, you know, there's some artists that are timeless. There's you know, you pop on a Tom Petty song and it's still good thirty years later. There's right. not very many artists who can do that. They can just kind of capture their own, you know, and they just sort of seal it, put it in a box, yeah. and then it's just out there. And that's gonna be good forever. The Beatles, there's so many songs are just they're they're just gonna be good forever, no matter yeah. what. Right. Well, and there's an there's another aspect to it which you guys can say whether this applies or not, but I feel like there's certain bands in this genre, like uh, Stars of the Lid or A Winged Victory for the Sullen, where I, I've listened to the album 
probably hundreds of times and it 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 its effect on me is it that it it actually ends up removing me from the music such that even after hundreds of listens I don't actually know everything that's going on because it just kind of zones me out and so I, I'm just hmm. thinking now it's like I wonder if part of it is people use it to remove themselves from things and even from the music such that it's they they never get so familiar with it that it's old if that makes sense because that's that's my experience with some of this stuff personally huh, huh, well we're huh. talking about meditation kind of like meditative or mindfulness practices yeah, yeah. do you do do you do any of those or is that just like the, the the music you listen to is that when you kind of become in that contemplative just exist and accept what is state or do you do you do like contemplative practices like meditation only when i want to like sometimes you know if i'm driving in the car purely just not having anything on the stereo is an experience like that like i'm just going to yeah. not listen to anything right now like that's a or or just like little stuff like if i'm if i'm pumping gas like i'm not going to bring my phone out of my car i'm literally just going to sit here and lean against my car until it's filled up and not because I just need like a because moment. Because that was the reality for everybody. I know up until and, this point, and yeah. I know, and it has to be like a yeah. What a weird world. <laughs> now we do it thing. to shock ourselves, right? Oh my gosh, I didn't bring my <laughs> phone out of my car. Um, but so there's nothing like I do every morning. I meditation intrigues me, but I I also feel I don't know. I feel sort of lazy in those regards. I guess the music is kind of my general outlet for that I, stuff. Kind of back up a little bit. You're saying that you don't know the experience that people are having when they listen to your music. It might be different than right. a singer-songwriter because, you know, you listen to a certain song, it's going to always take you to that same place. Like, if you listen to certain Jimmy Eat World songs, like mm -hmm. Clarity, for example. I listen to Clarity. I'm instantly 19 years old, in college. You know what I mean? Dealing that's, with that's that. more nostalgia than the music, I would say, though, because if you heard it for the first time now, you wouldn't think that. But the lyrics connect to a certain time and a certain story, and they always take me back to those stories. Um, yeah. Like every time I listen to Third Eye Blind, I'm in high school driving home. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it's just, right. I just can't divorce that. It sounds like you're saying, and I could be wrong here, that when you listen to ambient music, it, it zones you out, almost like you're, like you're having like you're getting high or something you're not you're not attaching physical yeah. memories to it totally absolutely yeah and that's and, just and that's, that's different you know yeah oh, very yeah and that's why i'm fascinated with you know matt people who are lead singers frontmen of bands because it's so foreign to me and 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 personally the way i listen to music is the last thing i'll ever hear i've got to listen to a song hundreds of times before i even hear what the lyrics are like i'll i'll pick up on syllables and how they sound together before yeah. i understand what the word is like those syllables yeah. sounded cool it, but <laughs> so it takes me so long to pick up on any sort of lyric lyrical meaning in a song so i just haven't valued it for basically my mm -hmm. entire life and that's why this fascinates me because i i really come at from the opposite direction right. i approach Everything I do is like, what are the lyrics saying? And like, right. what what is, what is is there poetry? Is there allegory? Is 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 the rhythmic rhyming spoken mm -hmm. in a way that captivates? And like, I could care less. I mean, the rhythm has to support the lyrics. The the root notes have to support the melody. Everything is supporting this propped up, um, just poetic vision. And to me, the music is just so secondary. <laughs> Careening through the universe, your axis on a tilt. You know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> these lines. <laughs> yeah, I hope totally. you take a piece of me with you. Yeah, it's like as a singer, as, as a lyricist, it's like it's funny because that's the probably I probably listen to the words and I for like, you know, and making records was difficult for me because there was just there was a couple times we're making record and there was just two weeks of just insane like focus on the drums. I'm like, mm. guys, I'm going insane. Like, <laughs> this we've just been matter. doing drums. Like, get over it. Get up, get past it. Like, yeah. and our drummer was a good drummer. He played him almost one take. And see, for me, that I mean, that's fascinating because a lot of the way I write songs is reactive to things that happen on accident. So I'll just be, I'll, I'll be recording and just come up with some weird loop on my, on, on something. And the song will come out of that. So there was no, there's rarely ever any intention going in. Like, I'm going to have a sound like this or that, but it's just like, 
it's like 90% of the time it's screwing around finding a yeah. cool sound and it doesn't even have to be like a tonal sound like even just like a weird texture or something and and then it just kind of grows from there so like the the experience is like you know a lot of bands is like okay we've got stra- scratch tracks and demos like my whole process is so blurred cuz the the writing recording mixing process is all like one thing because like so, something that would have been a scratch track to somebody else like that's the final thing i will never be able to recreate that that was a weird fluke well and and furthermore like specifically for this new album that's coming out um i just could not write on the guitar for one of the first times ever so everything came from either a starting point on the piano which i'm not a piano player i totally just fake it and then fix it in midi later um or just like I said, like making some weird loop. Like I have all these plugins that like end up just mangling audio and I just send it through nine different things and it comes out sounding like completely different. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to start from here. So it was not, you know, and sending software pianos out back through ramping it through guitar pedals and then back in and like pitching it up two octaves and then back down two octaves and seeing what it sounds like. It's like that, that's how this whole album came out. Cause I, sitting down and just playing some delayed reverbed chords uh-huh. is what I've done a lot in the past, but I was just like, I don't want to do that this time around at all. Is there some sort of like drive to make something complicated? Like it's not good until it's complicated. Like, Oh, th- I mean, that's, that, that's a thing I fight against for sure. And I think that's people, people think, and I, you know, I look at artists, like I mentioned before, like stars of the lid and, winged victory for soul and there's so little going on but it's so brilliant and like i've i've done music long enough that i'm like holy shit like i would never be able to come up with something that simple it takes work Mm. to be to be able to come up with something that simple and that's what i'm striving for and i feel like that was a little bit what i was striving for on this album it's like i'm just going to come up with the coolest little texture sounds that i can and only layer them as much as necessary do you listen to um, any bands like in the past? Like, do you listen to any Pink Floyd or anything? Pink Floyd is one of those bands that I just I can't really get into. It's like a yeah. my dad. It's a dad band. They kind of have, <laughs> but they kind of have I mean, I get some. It. You know, people say that a lot. Yes, they, they have. They're, they're spacious. Very, yeah, and I remember like watching a documentary on Pink Floyd, and they were notorious for having to have some sort of visual display because they were convinced as a band that their music alone was extremely boring so they even yeah. agree with you yeah, like yeah. they think their music is so boring that they had to have this crazy visual stuff going on and sometimes yeah, i just i i i was just sitting and go man that's such an artist way to think about something like what we're doing is complete it's so boring so do you <laughs> well, struggle with that feeling of like you're playing this thing and you're like is it good is it not good i don't know you know what i mean i need some explosion of light behind me in order to like make this you know all come together i don't know i just i just well i thought that was interesting for me it's just it's purely of like a you know when i come up with a part or something i'm purely relying on my own taste and like whether i feel like one of my skills honestly is being able to step back from myself and evaluate whether something is good or not And and that goes into stuff like you know, like a website design. I, you know, I spent three hours on the website and I can still step back and look at it as someone who just visited it for the first time. I can still listen to one of my songs and hear it from the perspective of someone who didn't make it, which is really hard. That's the DIY thing that teaches you. You have to wear all the hats. So you have to yeah. put on the artist hat, take that off, put on the producer hat, and then look from a completely different perspective. And 
yeah. more you make that shift, kind of the better you get at it. Would you say that? Totally. Yeah. And I feel like that yeah. that's like the key to everything. Because when you first start, um, I mean, especially in this genre, dudes are like, oh, I'll get a delay pedal and like do some swells. And then I'm, I'm, I'm famous on YouTube or something. And it's just, it's not, <laughs> it's not that easy at all. And I think the biggest thing is being able to step back and say, I, I mean, I remember when I was first starting, it was like, there's the excitement and fulfillment that comes from doing the thing. Like you can, you know, I was using uh, Sony Acid back in college and just inserting all these loops and layering stuff. And that was fun, but that doesn't translate to literally anyone else. No one else has fun listening to it. So you've got to right. divorce the fun of creating a thing versus and make sure it's actually fun to listen to. It's that the takes artist a while and to figure producer. Out. Yeah, it's like the producer hat is the one that, sees it from from the world's perspective yeah and the artist the artist only sees your own your own perspective you have to yeah, jump you, between the two you think about a song you think about the first song you ever played on guitar it probably sounded like a really bad version of Coldplay's the scientist you know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it's like four chords yeah. you can play four chords but then when Coldplay plays those four chords <laughs> you're like damn that's a good song you know and like <laughs> yeah I I think I wrote that song when I first played the guitar, but it was pretty shitty compared to that one, you know. So it's yeah, like it had it had Green Day melodies over top of it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah everyone wrote a song that sounds like "What's My Age Again" at some point. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Oh, I had it. I can <laughs> sing it to you. Do you? Sure. I was just wondering. Do you ever do something that like that? Like maybe you're maybe maybe it surprises you and your ears don't like it. But it kind of makes you feel something, like maybe even disgust, or maybe even like, ugh, that's like painful. Do you ever try to communicate those emotions? Oh, I mean, or is it just pure bliss the whole time? <laughs> no, it's not pure. <laughs> if if I was ever trying to, it, trying to do something, pain, it it would never be, like I I would rather use the word like. M more melancholic versus peaceful or something it's right. like let's do like a you know a minor seven chord on a piano or something with like a voicing that's like a three one five instead of a one three five like that right those kind of voicings like and that's the other thing is like certain piano voicings more than guitar you're able to arrange the notes such that it sounds you can even my favorite thing is to try to figure out how to make major chords major chords sound sad that's like one of the hardest right. things to do. And that's, yeah. I like that challenge. What, just um, adding sevenths and ninths and stuff? Or? Totally. Or, or just rearranging it so it's like a, you know, like a five, one, three. The five is on the right. bottom or something, you know, something right. like that. Hopefully. You know, on the piano, you can do it all within the same octave, whereas exactly. on the guitar, you're, you're, you're skipping octaves. And so the harmonics and stuff yeah, are it, different. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it doesn't sound so dense or sad necessarily right, on the right. on guitar. So. Um, We're getting super nerdy. I, I think I know, we lost I Nate. Apologize. Nate, you there? <laughs> <laughs> Nate, you want to see my He's pedal sleeping. board? Oh, oh, oh! Nate, you want to see pedal board? <laughs> sorry, guys. I just uh, fell asleep a little bit here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you guys are like the the YouTube guys that do unboxing videos. No, oh, I don't. Gosh. I no. Andy mm. knows way more than I don't know anything. I can I can pretend. I'm a social guy. I can pretend like I know what I'm talking about. I'm such about. a snob. I have all the video skills, and I don't have a video, a YouTube channel. What's wrong with me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, every time I sit down and go, what am I going to film? I'm like, it's not good enough. It's not the cool The rules enough. don't apply to you, Nate. The rules don't apply. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, it's funny. Yeah, gear people just snoozed out. But welcome back to the podcast. Welcome all you back. People. All the theory heads are, are now yeah. jacked up on yeah. 135. Yeah. Well, that's not anything <laughs> special. I mean, that's... No, no, it's not. No, but I do this for a living, and that's as special as I can get with it. So. Oh, that's same here. I'm like Mixolydian. I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Dorian. I don't know. Yeah. Parallel fourths. No, yep. You lost me. I can yeah. say them. I can yeah, say totally. them. It sounds smart. That's why I think I enjoyed. That's why I think I enjoyed the grunge movement because it was just pluggier, shitty oh, totally. guitar into a shitty amp and just make noise and just dive on stage and. Look yes. like an idiot. I mean, I mean, whoa, I didn't that like no lyrics. Just whoa. yeah, that just <laughs> that yeah, just yeah. that's what woke me up to like I don't know. I like Smashing Pumpkins too. There was a lot of. I mean, I talked to Brad Wood when we did a record with him, and he said there were some Smashing Pumpkins tracks that had like a hundred and fifty guitar layers, and he was insane. Billy Corgan that doesn't help. 
<laughs> no, I mean, they you would just layer guitar, layer, layer, layer. And you're like, yeah. wow, you know, and I, I just thought, I, I don't even know how to begin to identify yeah. with it. I'm not a musician if that's the case. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about your new record a little bit, The Swiss Illness. Um, you mentioned kind of using a story as a framework with which to express an emotion. What is the story behind The Swiss Illness and kind of the... I don't know, the concept of the record. Right. So this one was another um, one that's pretty, almost purely retroactive in terms of the story because I was, I honestly had some anxiety like trying to, because in previous albums, there's like a story has just, I've like stumbled across some story and I'm like, oh yeah, that's perfect. That's great for this. And with this one, I was just like, nothing is coming. (laughs) Nothing is happening in that area. So I was getting you know, anxious and frustrated. So I, this is the first time where I ever kind of went out and was like, okay, I got to find something that this album is about. So, I mean, you know, it seems like a common story. A lot of people are like 2016 was just not a great year for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, 2016 was the first (laughs) year where like I I had a family member die that I was actually pretty close to. Um, And so it just kind of felt like a, you know, like a, turning point in my life it's like oh from now on it's like i'm gonna have ever increasing amounts of memories of people who are not here anymore and um combined with that is just you know i still live in the same city that i have lived in since 92 you know i was in like second grade when we moved here and so there's so many little things driving around town like i have all these memories in these different places like this you know music store that i used to go to every new music tuesday is now like a tile shop like there's all these things that are gone and that I'm noticing while I'm driving around town so it's I I ended up just thinking about nostalgia and how it's kind of thinking about or dealing with the loss of things both big and small so like there's things that just don't matter like you know my dorm got bulldozed and they put a new one there it's like that's not a it doesn't really matter but it's kind of weird that I drive by that spot it's like oh the room I lived in for three years is just not there anymore and then there's like you know my grandma is also not here anymore. So there's things that matter and things that don't matter. So I, I ended up just like, I was like, well, I'm just going to start and research where the word nostalgia came from. And that was honestly, um, the story, which I mean, long story short is it's, I guess in the 1700s, the, uh, the Swiss doctors were studying, um, Swiss mercenaries who were away from home and realizing they were having all these physical side effects as a result of homesickness. So like nostalgia used to be a literal, uh, like medical diagnosis where people would apparently like die and have actual physical ailments. And then there were certain songs. You died of nostalgia. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Mm, and wow. like um, while the, while they were away from home, they were banned from singing or playing songs from their homeland because it would make everybody too sad. <laughs> so there was this name, these names, it's like Ron's Devonches or something. Um, it's like these songs that were banned that the soldiers could not play while they were away from home. So it's like, <laughs> it, it just all kind of fit. And so nostalgia, like um, they called it the Swiss illness. It's, it's a, it means nostalgia. So that's kind of how they coined it back then. So that, that's the story in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> so it all kind of comes together and you ground, exactly. you ground your record in this concept of the Swiss illness. Yeah. And, and, and the titles, the song titles come from a doctor's account of dealing with someone who was, suffering the effects of nostalgia while they're away from home okay so this is his kind of actual writings yeah yeah yeah. oh very cool very cool well um and and can you let people know where to find i obviously know part of (laughs) part of helping people know this but uh from your words where where to find lowercase noises online and and how to pre-order this will uh the swiss illness (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so illness (laughs) <laughs> you do. Uh, it's just lowercasenoises.com is the best. There's three. There's a music video and a single up there right now and two trailers for the album as well as the pre-order packages. Um, yeah, that's the best place right now. Spotify is really good to me. If you want to go stream everything on Spotify, all my stuff is up there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, lowercasenoises.com. 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 That's where you can pre-order. You got some pretty cool vinyl up there. I do notice yep. um, some different some different variants and stuff. So for people who are into vinyl, uh, yeah. if you're into ambient music, if you haven't checked out ambient music at all, 
I would say Andy's is a great place to start because that's kind of where I started and it makes yep. you feel things. And yep. you might feel something completely different than nostalgia <laughs> yeah. when you listen to the Swiss Illness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's but totally that's fine. the whole point. The whole point is just to get out of your brain almost. And One of my favorite descriptions of this type of music is it's called uh, furniture music. So it's like a thing that's there, but it's not the focal point of the room. It's like kind of a right. utilitarian thing that's in the room. It's like, here's a thing yeah. I sit on when I need to sit on it, but it's not like a painting or something. You're not staring um, at it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's there yeah, to be so a and, support and... for your life. If you, Or it can be something you're looking directly at if you want. It's fine. You know what's cool about your music is I have it playing right now as I'm talking to you, and it just kind of like I have the full experience. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was just like, I'm gonna th- if it's instrumental, it's not gonna be distracting. I'm gonna throw it on while we're talking. Yeah. What are you What that. are you listening to right now? What is it? I just I clicked the first track on Spotify, so it's passage. So it's passage. So you're you're hearing some sick banjo right now, which you wouldn't yeah, expect, yeah. right? Exactly, yeah. and I'm going to throw it in under, because I edit the podcast, I'm going to throw it in there, and then everyone will have the same experience that I'm having right now, so it'll be yeah. there you go. It'll be there really, really trippy. Yeah, some, people, some people some people hate it. that I use that banjo, by the way. Some people hate <laughs> that. But I don't care. So I think abrasive. it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Percussive strings. Come on. I'm enjoying yeah. it. It's funny because like this, there's so many parts of this type of music that are my favorite movie scenes. Yep. And typically it's, it's no lyrics. It's just music, and it's just a human being having a moment, and it's beautiful. So many times I'm just like, wish I wrote music like this, because I'm like, I could just put this to all the stuff I want to film, and oh. then it'd be sweet, you know, but, <laughs> but I don't. Well, I'm more Andy. the lyric guy. Yeah, I'll ask you, Andy. <laughs> Yeah, just get a and delay those, pedal, turn the mix up. It's, that's all you got. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's super easy. Yeah, yeah, shut <laughs> up. Uh, well, well, Andy Othling, thank you for joining us today. Lowercasenoises.com. If you guys want to uh, check out The Swiss Illness, this is his new record. It's coming out May 19th. Um, and check out his music on Spotify. Follow him on Spotify. If you're working, yeah. if you're doing anything and you want to really focus on what you're doing and not get distracted it's perfect background noise uh, or noise music it is noise but it uh, is also noise it's lowercase noise it's also music (laughs) so uh so i would just suggest if you're listening to this if you're interested in what this music is check it out listen to it right now while you're working and if you ever need a lyric video i'm your guy because it will be the best (laughs) lyric video ever it'll be the easiest lyric video ever technically (laughs) i've made a bunch of those right I mean, yeah. that's like all I've ever made is lyric videos for my songs. Well, Nate can get some really beautiful footage of grass on the farm and maybe some chickens. That'll be your I love lyric it. video. I, I'm just, I'm just thinking of all the times I have to put text and deal with it. It's funny. It's just bad, right. bad, bad joke. Yeah, get him out of here. That's what I say. <laughs> thanks, well, Andy. thanks, man. All right, thanks, guys. All right, enjoy it. guys thanks for checking out this week's podcast and every podcast week after week you guys are awesome we just want to give you a little heads up we're gonna have a couple more episodes here as don't feed the trolls and then matt and i are gonna take a little break for the summer both of us are moving um and a lot of things are going on matt's gonna be on tour and it's just gonna be really really busy so we decided we're gonna take a little break um Hopefully, that's not too big of a bummer for y'all. But the good news is, anyone who supports us on Patreon uh, will still be getting content every week for our Troll Talk episodes. That's just a podcast where Matt and I just kind of talk freestyle and um, about whatever. And we're going to be rolling out some cool stuff for anyone who uh, supports us with $5 a month will get access to a Q&A channel to ask us questions directly. So cruise on over to patreon.com and support the show. And if not... No worries. Uh, we'll pick up this fall with some new episodes with some great guests and keep things going. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. And uh, thanks again. All right. <laughs>